Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, September 8th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Football season is happening at Kansas State in Kansas. At least the games are on the schedule for Saturday with the Wildcats meeting Arkansas State and KU taking on Coastal Carolina. But already, two Big 12 teams have had to scrap Saturday games because of COVID-19. Fingers crossed that will not become the case in Manhattan or Lawrence. Beat writers Callis Robinette and Jesse New are here to talk about the college football season in the COVID world and what to expect on Saturday in those games. So let's get going with Kellis and Jesse. Okay, guys, um, Kansas State and Kansas are playing football on Saturday, right? Um, we hope so. <laughs> I mean, it, it's on the schedule. Um, both teams are playing. The Wildcats taking on Arkansas State at at 2.30 and KU in a grudge match with Coastal Carolina at the uh, convenient time of 9 p.m. in Lawrence. But we've already seen where two games that were scheduled involving Big 12 teams this week are now off the schedule. We know that the Tulsa at Oklahoma State game has been moved to the 19th because of problems with COVID on the Tulsa team. And TCU and SMU were supposed to play on Saturday. TCU having COVID issues, that game has been uh, wiped off the schedule, at least for Saturday. And there's, I guess, some talk that the teams are looking at trying to find a mutual date to, to play that game. So, you know, both both um, Chris Kleiman and Les Miles spoke to the media on Monday, or yes, on Monday, they're supposed to, uh, I know Kleiman and K-State having another media day today. Really, I mean, I, I asked it facetiously, but um, is, is the COVID news such that uh, we're pretty 100% sure these games are going to come off on Saturday? Kellis, I'll start with you. I mean, I, I'm not willing to say I'm 100% confident about anything right now. I mean, just look at the numbers in the Big 12. They were supposed to have two games played and they've already been postponed. So two for two in the uh, negative department there. I, I personally think Kansas State and Arkansas State will get played. Uh, it's one of those things I keep pestering uh, people in the athletic department about it, and they say that if, if the game were right now, they'd go ahead and play it. But, um, you know, they've, they've had players in and out uh, throughout practice. It'll be very interesting to see who they actually – uh, have available to play at wide receiver in this game. If uh, some if some players need breathers, I think they could be using some very unusual players on the offensive line. And if if things you know happen to get worse between now and Saturday, I'm not saying it's outside the realm of possibility that it does get postponed. Um, right now, I think it will be played, but I, I can't say 100%. I'd be more like 80%. Let's get the KU update from Jesse, and then I want to ask both of you guys uh, about fans and uh and other just precautions that that the schools are taking but jesse how about how about kansas um 9 p.m game against the shants the chanticleers um we we don't know we don't have numbers from ku just uh just less miles assuring everybody that no you know we're gonna be okay (laughs) yeah that's interesting too because ku has been pretty forthright with numbers and with even less miles in a couple previous weeks to basically say they had nobody in quarantine. So uh, kind of the gist I still get is that KU obviously went through its bad stretch earlier. And since then it hasn't seemed as bad, but again, without them giving the exact numbers and less miles sort of hiding behind HIPAA rules, uh, we don't know those exact. I think the bigger concern for this game potentially would be the coastal Carolina team, because you're talking about, 
a school that has had issues. Uh, there was a story a couple weeks back, uh, basically talking about the football team was sort of working around the issues it had with COVID. And uh, even Coastal Carolina's coach earlier this week being asked those same questions you were asking, Blair, like, are you going to have all your guys? Are you going to be full strength? And basically kind of shrugging his shoulders and saying, I don't know. We'll see that sort of thing. So I think everybody's kind of up in the air on that, but yeah, coastal Carolina down in South Carolina, as we know, that's one of those States that potentially has been hit harder than many other uh, of the other ones out there. And they're having to follow the big 12 standards, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday testing. So uh, I think I'm in Calus's boat here. I think this game will get played. I think that they'll uh, have a game and at that, that, beautiful time of 9 p.m. for those folks on the West Coast. I think that thing is going to happen. But um, right now, I, I don't think we can be sure about anything. And especially with those cancellations, it does kind of keep in the back of your mind that that sort of thing can't happen. How uh, how far can we go till game time before we know? Is it uh, can they is there a time limit on this? Do they do they have to know by Friday whether they're whether it's uh, is the final test, you know, the final test on Friday? Uh, test results what kind of uh, timetable are we looking at in terms of a cancellation the way it's been explained to me is that they'll do the the antigen the rapid tests on fridays they'll test they should be testing both teams and as long as the uh they'll evaluate those numbers you know whenever that happens friday morning friday afternoon then that would be like the drop dead time when they have to make a decision because obviously you don't want a team if they got to fly into a game, you don't want them flying all the way there and then saying, ooh, whoops, these numbers don't look good, fly on back home. So I would think by you know early Friday morning, they'll have all the, all the numbers they need, all the data that's required to uh, make a final decision on the game. And as we've seen, it, it looks like as long as a team has 53 players and uh, available players, and of those 53, as long as you've got a quarterback, seven offensive linemen, one or two defensive tackles, the expectation is they'll play. Um, you know, maybe – Maybe there is a scenario where a team could just, you know, lose every single guy at a position, and then that changes things. But they've, they've, uh, they want these games to be played, and I think as long as the numbers come back uh, favorable, like I just said, more than fifty-three healthy players uh, on Friday afternoon, they'll go, they'll move forward. Yeah, it's a seven-four-and-one formula. I think I saw right. Um, uh, you got to have a fifty-three-man roster, which you know, coincidentally, is the NFL size uh, roster, and seven of them have to be offensive linemen, four defensive linemen, and one quarterback available on that fifty-three-man roster, uh, final roster for a game day. I thought that was I thought that was interesting, and and Callis didn't. Uh, you know, we have heard again from Chris Kleiman, and he. Um, he kind of hinted around that look, they're gonna they're gonna dig deep into the depth chart, perhaps, to make sure that you know they can you know, they they can field a team uh, this Saturday. Was, was is um, look, I, he's not a you know he's he's not a sarcastic guy or anything. I, he's pr- pretty serious when he says that. You know, they, they're going to have some issues. They possibly could have some issues depth chart wise. Yeah, I, I believe him. I take him at his word there. Um, I was a little surprised to hear him say that every single player who has eligibility and is available will be playing in this game. That means you'll see some players who, in nor- normal st- circumstances, uh, would do nothing more than warm up this time of year. But without uh, you know without red shirts to worry about, um, and with a lot of players out. Um, and just unavailable for this game for various reasons, whether it be injuries, positive tests, quarantine, whatever it be. I, I do think you'll see many more players than usual e- taking a few snaps, even if it's four or five here or there, to give uh, people breathers. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, the biggest question mark for me is, is wide receiver. 
I think uh, throughout camp, that's just been a position where it's just kind of every day they don't know who's going to be there. Their offensive coordinator said last week they've taken their, um, you know, second, third, fourth string running backs, and they've been training them to play receiver just in case. I think that you might see some defensive backs get some looks at slot receiver or something like that. So uh, you, the, certainly the hope is that as the season goes along, that stuff will calm down and you'll have more of a, you know, traditional uh, two deep, the people who are listed on actually playing. But this first, this first game could be wild with some of the combinations they throw out there in terms of personnel. Hey, and Jesse, are we, should we be surprised that it's kind of come to this, that we're approaching the first game for, for big 12 programs Two have already, as we said, op, not opted out, but had to have had to adjust their schedules you know, the, the campuses have been open for these athletes since June, and and the, the players basically lived in a bubble through, um, you know, through June, July and into August. Uh, and then and then campus reopened for for students. And now we have another set of issues for these college teams. I guess I answered my own question there. Right. I mean, we shouldn't be shocked that that this is happening, that, um, that you know, college football is. A little off to a little bit of a shaky start. Yeah, I mean, I can only speak for Douglas County here, but you obviously follow the cases that are in your county, and for a while that thing shot up. I mean, it went off of the charts that the graphs previously had in this particular county, and you know, a lot of that is the student population coming back to campus, and uh, it's the people that you would expect. And you mentioned the bubble; uh, it, I think it's proven to work. You know, if you look at how MLS had uh, their season, how you know the TBT was able to get theirs in. The NBA has had great success with it. So um, that sort of thing seems to be very successful. It's just basically impossible to do in a college football setting. And so you're asking these students, or, or I guess now we still refer to them as student athletes, but you're asking these athletes to stay away from places that they really can't stay away from if they're having in-person classes. So yeah, I, I think some of this was probably to be expected and we'll see how this sort of thing runs its course and how many postponements there have to be. But um, I, I guess I'm fascinated, Blair. Uh, I, I don't, how do you, how are you a sports better right now? You know, those people out there that have these lines, uh, you're t- Kels is talking about cornerbacks playing wide receiver. I mean, how do you have a number on these games? You know what I mean? That's, it's going to be fascinating to see if there's anything close to, uh, to, to what these odds makers are putting out there just because uh, COVID could really throw these teams for a loop. And if you have some information in there to know that these guys aren't playing, then Potentially, I'm thinking you could have a pretty good edge. And, and we'll have to pay attention to those numbers because some of these games you might think, hey, this a Team A is much better than Team B. But um, if Team A is putting out there all their second stringers, then obviously things, things can change in a hurry. And there are numbers on these games. Um, it is um, – I'm trying to – as I'm scrambling to get uh, – do you know off the top of your head what the – I got it right here. KU is a – by 10, I can tell you that. K-State by 10? Mm-hmm. And I think I've got KU by consensus, KU by seven. Actually opened up a three and a half. Yeah, and I'll put my tinfoil hat on here for you. I, I talked about Coastal Carolina potentially having problems. Um, yeah. I, you know, if I'm putting my tinfoil hat on here and saying, hey, that line went from three and a half to seven, and I saw some spots last week where potentially Coastal Carolina was favored, that tells me to set some alarm bells off that potentially Coastal Carolina is having some problems with COVID on some of their uh, – <laughs> Positions there, so yeah, this sort of thing is going to be fascinating. And not only that, you you add in the home field advantage that normally comes with these games. Uh, Ku, I, potentially a topic we'll get to, but 
does not have any fans. So, okay, is that two or three points down? So there's so many factors to take into consideration here. But, yeah, uh, watch those Vegas lines. If you see some wacky things happening, we might have some indicators here that uh, some of these teams are not themselves. Well, wasn't wasn't last night, wasn't Navy actually favored against BYU before they lost by 95? <laughs> well, if that's the case, I didn't, I didn't know that if that's the case. I would The way that that game unfolded, I mean, it was a mismatch from – from the first series, if if Navy was favored in that game, wow, wow, that ended up fifty five to three. So, um, so I was looking, I was looking at the um, at, at the Vegas Insider lines, and uh, uh, North Carolina opened as a nineteen and a half point favorite over Syracuse. It's now up to twenty two. Um, Appalachian State opened as a twenty and a half point favorite over Charlotte. That's down to seventeen. So mm-hmm. similar moves in those two games. Interestingly enough, all games involving schools in North and South Carolina, right? Um, so uh, interesting, interesting. Hey, let's let's do let's one more topic before we take a break, and that is uh, the national anthem. We are going to all eyes are going to be on the national anthem in all games, right? Football games that that are being played in the college and pro level, certainly with the Chiefs and Texans on Thursday night, but. What did um, what did Bob Bowlesby say about uh, about the national anthem? And has have either of the coaches, Chris Kleiman or Les Miles, been asked about uh, what what players might do during the you know during the anthem? Well, uh, Bob Bowlesby mentioned yesterday that um, I guess it was to be dis- determined what the, how exactly they were going to handle it. In under normal circumstances, uh, players wouldn't be out on the field because of marching bands. Uh, but now with all that uncertainty, um, bands maybe not being out on the field, I guess there is an actual opportunity for players to be out there to partake in the national anthem. It sounded like uh, they were going to make a decision soon on that as a conference, um, but just from the way he talked, it sounded like if if they're out on the field and the players want to make some kind of uh, team statement about what's going on in the world right now, he would be okay with it. I, I personally don't know what Chris Kleiman thinks about it. Um, Jesse has, has less spoke, spoken to this. Uh, he hasn't much, but I will say that uh, a couple weeks ago we covered this, uh, myself and Gary Bedore, on a very hot day on Lawrence's campus. Uh, they had a, like a, the women's basketball team organized a two-mile march across campus for Black Lives Matter. And I can tell you that there were football players as a part of that, and Les Miles was a part of that. Uh, so I, I would not be surprised at all if, if that did take place and um, players were allowed to, you know, as you mentioned, make whatever sort of political statement they did want to make with that just because KU has been very open to it. And Jeff Long has been very open, uh, the athletic director, talking about how he wants these students to, uh, you know, be the change if, they, if that's what they want to be. And uh, words are words, but actions are actions. And he's kind of mentioned that a lot here over the past few months. It is sort of awkward, though, as you mentioned, Kellis, because um, it's it's sort of like, uh, you know, when you go to charity events and there's a national anthem, you know, like a charity basketball game, and you're sort of like, what are we doing here? You know, like, let's just let's just play this charity basketball game. It's just going to be um, – it's almost – if they do a national anthem before the game with no fans, it is sort of kind of like a uh, – you know, usually we think that sort of thing is done with the fans in mind. So doing it without fans is sort of an interesting concept because um, it's just not something that we're – Totally used to, but yeah, if that does happen and there is something that takes place, then I think KU football players will be allowed to make whatever statement they want. And I think this is probably a change in, from what would have happened 5, 10, 15 years ago and the views of coaches, which 
Um, earlier on, they would have been very against this sort of thing. But I think just kind of how the world has changed in recent times, I think that uh, these players will be allowed to make whatever statement that they want to make. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't I don't think any coach or coaching staff will stop players from doing whatever they want to do during the anthem, whether it's kneel. Uh, well, that, that, I think that, that would be the option, right? Uh, kneeling during during the anthem, or at least during the start of the anthem. So we'll have to see. Uh, both games on television, and I suspect that the the anthem will be a story as college football ramps up in a bigger way this weekend. So, okay, let's let's take a break here, and we'll be back to talk about um, the seasons of these teams. It's not just a COVID topic. We can talk about the Wildcats and the Jayhawks football teams as well. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, back with Callis Robinette, who covers Kansas State, and Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas. And Kellis, um, the Wildcats go into the season with the luxury of a returning starting quarterback, not only a returning starter, but a, quite a veteran. And I, th- I think that gives K-State a, a really nice leg up on a, for a program that's looking to go back to a bowl game this year. There's some holes in other places, but when you get the quarterback returning, that is a big advantage. Yeah, well, you, not only do you have the quarterback back, but you've got the, uh, the coach pack. And traditionally, uh, college football, pro football, any real level of football, if you've got those two things, um, you're probably going to have a good season. And just traditionally, um, every senior quarterback at Kansas State who's had previous years of starting experience, whether it be one, two, very few have had three like Skyler has, but he's uh, one of the few who will be a four-year starter. They've all ended with at least nine wins. And some of them have ended with conference championships, 11 win seasons. It's uh, been kind of crazy how that's worked out. It's like the one, the one uh, you know, missing link for some of these teams. If they've got a quarterback with experience, they're really good. If they don't, um, they're kind of a, a second-tier group. And it, it's just kind of funny to me. I know that there are a lot of people out there who uh, nationally who have looked at Kansas State, and they say, well, they have the fewest returning starters in the Big 12. They're going to struggle. And while that is true, uh, so many of the players are going to be relying on this year played last year. You've got Joshua Youngblood, a wide receiver. He didn't start last year, but he was a freshman All-American. Um, Harry Trotter, he didn't start last year running back, but he saw you know, he saw hundreds of carries. He was a very reliable player. And they've got other guys who got in and played at that position last year and showed what they were worth. And on defense, they do actually have a lot of really good talent at uh, positions that matter. Obviously, the question is offensive line. Do they have uh, enough personnel to uh, to block for Skylar Thompson and allow him to get the ball to these playmakers? But um, he he knows he knows what it takes to win in this offense. And I mean, just look at 
Chris Kleiman's track record. We talked about Kansas State's track record with a veteran quarterback. Um, Kleiman, the last few quarterbacks he's actually gotten to, to coach, coach up and evolve have been uh, Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, the guy at North Dakota State now who's uh, going to be a first-round pick. It's, uh, it, it all is very optimistic about – it all paints a very optimistic future about at least what is possible for Scott of the season. How about as an aside, um, the North Dakota State football team this fall, they're in the Missouri Valley, and the Missouri Valley is one of the leagues that said they weren't going to play a fall schedule, try to play in the spring, but you could play non-conference games in in the fall. So North Dakota State is playing one non-conference game this fall against Central Arkansas sometime in October, and and one of the reasons is to showcase the quarterback um, for for the NFL draft. So, um, hey, also, Carlos, before before I forget – do, do, does K-State pick up where it, where it left off on defense with a new coordinator this year? I think they do. Um, it's never an easy transition to go from one coordinator to the next under these circumstances, given that uh, Joe Klanderman, the new defense coordinator, did not get uh, a traditional spring practice session in to you know install his defense. He didn't really even have a traditional preseason camp to do it, um, just because guys have been in and out and all the stuff we already talked about. But uh, he's been a climbing disciple forever. He was with them in North Dakota State. They won a lot of games there. Um, they actually thought about just go ahead, going ahead and making him the defensive coordinator. Um, when they moved uh, from North Dakota State to Kansas State, and he was in charge of the secondary last season, which was their strong suit on defense. So if you're going to make a transition from Scotty Hazelton, who was their defensive coordinator last year, to anybody else. I think this is probably the guy to go with just because he's not going to come in and make a bunch of changes. The players know him. They like him. They respect him. And uh, I think he'll be able to, to hit the ground running. By no means do I think he'll be perfect, but um, I think he's a, a capable defensive coordinator, and I, I don't think you'll see much of a drop-off at all on defense just given the personnel they've got back. In uh, I mean, their best player on the entire team is Wyatt Hubert at defensive end. Their linebackers, Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hughes, are 23 and 24 years old. I mean, these guys are, are players who don't need a lot of coaching at this point. So I, I think they'll be fine. All right. Okay. Hazleton, of course, off to Michigan State uh, in the offseason. All right, Jesse. It's always about the quarterback at KU. Um, ever since Todd Reesing, it's always been about the quarterback at KU. And we, uh, we know a little bit more about – what's going to happen perhaps on Saturday with both players, both top candidates, perhaps, um, I don't know if sharing the position is the right way to describe it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if, if both leading candidates took snaps against Coastal Carolina. Yeah, it's crazy. I talk with everybody about this, it seems like, but I just can't believe uh, how, how many times KU gets to this point in the season, you know, five or six days before, and they don't have a quarterback selected. I mean, it is just <laughs> – Stunning. I, there can't be – how many teams in America do you think do this? I mean, there can't be more than 10, right? What, like, well, what, when it happens, it's such an unusual thing at a school, right? Because like, I can't remember the last time they had this, you know, a, a quarterback battle that went to the f- opening game. Well, at Kansas, it happens all the time. It's happened f- four of the last five years. I wrote about this last week. Four of the last five years – KU football's coach has not named a starter before the actual game. Like basically has said, you're going to see the starting quarterback when they run out there with the first series. And I mean, I'm just thinking like there can't be more than 10 FBS schools that do this. 
in the course of any given year. And KU has had that happen four of the last five years. I mean, the odds of that are just so minuscule. It's it's pretty crazy. And um, yeah, so Thomas McVitie, Miles Kendrick, we'll see. I mean, last week, Les Miles said he wants to pick one and stick with them. That's what he did last year with Carter Stanley, and it worked out pretty well for the most part. Uh, then this week he says, no, both those guys are going to rotate and play. Who the heck knows? We don't know. Nobody knows. Um, so we'll, we'll see how tricky they get against Coastal Carolina. I still think if, it's the old cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. You know, you want one guy to, to step up and rise up and take this job. And I would guess right now, just kind of based off the tea leaves, that Thomas McVitie probably has the slightest of edges here. So potentially he'll get the first go round with KU. But uh, it's sort of interesting to hear Kellis talk about how K-State lost so many returners. Or, I'm sorry, lost so many returning starters, but they bring back guys who are experienced nonetheless. I feel like KU is the opposite of that uh, in the sense that they, they lost a lot of returning starters, but they don't bring back guys who had a lot of snaps last year. And a lot of this, again, is to their credit because Les Miles in his first year or a first true full recruiting class did the difficult but correct decision. They got all high school players. I mean, they knew they were going to have big gaping holes at quarterback and at defensive line and at offensive tackle and in the secondary. So the urge is to go out there and just grab and pluck a bunch of Juco players and immediately fill them in and have them be starters. And, you know, we pay a little bit in the long term, but we get some short term results. The coaching staff did not do that. So this is the bill due for some of the previous sins from KU football. And it's very difficult to do this, but for the long range vision, it is the proper thing and the right thing to do. Having said that, yeah, KU has some major issues right now, probably on defensive line, on secondary, at offensive tackle. And we just mentioned at the quarterback position. So um, I think it's sort of fascinating to see kind of that play out because you talked about, uh, Kelly talked about K-State having, hey, these guys are ready to step in. I think a lot of KU guys, KU's guys are not ready to step in, if that makes any sense. So they're going to get a little bit of a trial by fire here. But we'll see how they perform against Coastal Carolina. And as I mentioned before, uh, kind of reading those tea leaves and reading the uh, Vegas lines, it might be that KU is in a little bit of a healthier shape right now than the team that's coming to Lawrence here on Saturday. Right, right, right. Okay, I know you guys did this for the the Kansas City Star and the Wichita Eagle. You predicted a uh, a final record. You went through game by game. Let's just go with the final record. Kellis, remind us, what did you pick uh, uh, in ten games for the Wildcats to finish in twenty twenty? I picked him to go seven and three, and uh, I didn't get a single nasty reply on Twitter. So that means I'm probably being way too optimistic about it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm drinking the purple Kool-Aid right now. I, I like the experience they've got back. Um, just like we said, quarterback, coach, I think they'll they'll find a way to manage COVID a little bit better than some other teams, and they'll they'll sneak seven wins in there. And, you know, we're not even talking about bowl prospects for anybody this year. There's um, uh, some of, you know, have been – canceled some have not but we don't we just don't know anything about the bowl games do we or am i mistake that i missed something well to, to, to show you uh how little is known um right before a few weeks ago whoever um an assistant from one of the bowl directors i don't know is there a national bowl director it, 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 I, this is a horrible yeah, story, the, but, the, yeah the bowl association yeah the bowl association called. an assistant who works for the president of the bowl association contacted me and said we should know real soon what the bowl situation is, if you'd like an interview with them, we can arrange that. I said, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to know this. And uh, that interview has been postponed um, every <laughs> single week for about two months now. So I don't think they know 
what's going to happen. Uh, my guess is we're not going to see uh, many bowl games at all, but that's that's just – I just don't see it being a, a thing that you can do this season, telling teams, oh, we're going to ship you off to a neutral city and play. Um, but it, it would right. be a, a good deal for, for KU because if they need if they need teams to fill bowls, they might just say, anybody, anybody wanna pull, who wants to play can do it. Get a chance to be in the streak. <laughs> a two and eight K. Oh, did I just spoil it, uh, uh, Jesse? Uh, I I know what you picked KU to finish. So yeah, uh, you might have spoiled it. I, I I've seen CBS Sports. They do the bull projections, and Kansas was in there. So yeah, you might be onto something, fellas. Uh, they're going to ship them to the Texas Bowl against somebody, and uh, yeah, they're going to break their long bowl skid because uh, any team that is any team is invited to the bowls this year if that potentially happens. But um, I do want to shout out one of my Twitter followers. I put up my crystal ball picks, which I did pick KU two and eight. And uh, his response was, ah, that old September feeling of Jesse crushing my KU football hopes. I got to say it feels good. So uh, (laughs) that was the response I got, Kellis. And um, unfortunately for KU football, usually when I crush KU football dreams and hopes, it's not that far off because there have been no, four win seasons for this program uh, in any year in the last decade. So uh, yeah, two wins for KU. Actually, I think that would be a pretty decent year. That's giving them the Coastal Carolina win. And one of my bold projections or predictions was that KU breaks its big 12 road skid, which they have had going since, uh, what was it? 2000, 2008. Uh, Yeah. They won at Iowa state in 2008. They have not had a big 12 road victory since then. It seems like maybe they can pull one off this year when there are limited or no fans potentially out there, but two and eight. And again, for KU football, if that happens, I actually would not think that's a disappointing year based off of all the things I talked about earlier, where this was already going to be a rebuilding year. And if they're able to pull off this one non-conference game and then surprise somebody in the big 12 slate, I think that'd be okay. All right, guys. Great catching up with you and looking forward to watching a couple of football games this weekend. Uh, the offerings haven't been you know, too good so far in college football. Really missed They've the big... They have been. I really missed... Labor Day weekend is it's just a glorious college football weekend. It's the weekend college football has to itself and I really missed the, um, you know, the, the games this weekend. But... Big 12 coming back on Saturday. SEC starts on September 26th. I know there's some other, also some ACC games this weekend as well. So, all right, Kellis, Jesse, thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette and Jesse Newell for talking college football in the Sunflower State. You can read their stuff in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands. It's still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There's more than 50 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Well, here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all of the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. Whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.